Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so it's still book week season here in Australia. Uh, Last week I was touring in Adelaide, so thank you very much to all the libraries who hosted my visits and also to all the schools and students that came to see me. It was really a lot of fun telling you stories. Uh, This week, uh, this podcast will be dropped on the 9th of August 2023. So this week I've been in uh, Bathurst, the Blue Mountains and Green Valley. And then next week I'm off to Brisbane in Queensland. So there's actually going to be a public event up there. I will be appearing at Riverbend Books in Brisbane on the 15th. Um, at, let me just double check it. I'm pretty sure it's 4.30 in the afternoon. Yep, 4.30 in the afternoon on the 15th of August, 2023 at Riverbend Books. So um, come along. I'll just be signing books. I might do a, like a short little reading, but mainly it's just to sign books and say hello to people. You can get your picture taken if you like. It's just a quick event because the World Cup's in town. So some, some of my fans from overseas are going to be in Brisbane. And I said, oh yeah, I'll throw on an event so you can come and say hello. All right. Well, let's get into it. We're reading The Pesky Kids, uh, Pesky Kids 5, The Final Mission, and we're almost done. So this is the last book and it's the second last chapter. I'm not sure if we're going to get through it all today, but let's have a red hot crack. We're up to chapter 27, Anticipation. Meanwhile, on Main Street, the citizens of Currawong were working themselves up into a state of potato-induced hysteria. After the excitement of the Capture the Potato game and the carbohydrates of the baked potatoes they had eaten, everyone was primed to enjoy the highlight of the day, the parade. A temporary stage had been set up in front of the Good Times Cafe, with chairs set out for Mr Lang, the President of the CWA, the Potato Princess nominees and Dame Bronwyn herself. The crowd couldn't wait to see the floats and find out who the princess was but they were even more excited to get a glimpse of that great legend of potato cultivation. Mr Lang was nervously checking his watch, as if that would make Dame Bronwyn arrive any earlier. She was meant to be here an hour ago, he worried. I offered to organise her transport for you, said President Sweet, but no, you said it was a council responsibility. She said she'd arrange her own transport, said Mr Lang. President Sweet smiled and shook her head. Oh, dear, you never should have agreed to that. She's a dame, protested Mr Lang. You can't bully a dame. You can't, no, agreed President Sweet. Mr Lang checked his watch again. There was still no change. She still wasn't there. The eternal progress of time could be a pain in the neck sometimes. Just then, at the end of Main Street, there was a loud bang of a car backfiring. Everyone turned to see a small yellow hatchback chugging its way towards them. The car was clean and shiny, but it was at least 35 years old. This must be her, said the President. 
You think after all her service to the potato industry, she could afford a better car, observed Mr Lang. There's no money in veg research, said President Sweet sadly. Eventually, the tiny hatchback pulled up in front of the stage. There was a loud wrench of the handbrake being engaged, and the driver's door swung open. But a little old lady did not get out. The driver was a great big muscly young man. The crowd was surprised, but then the man walked around the car and opened the passenger door, and everyone's expectations were met. A tiny old lady wearing a tweed suit and pearl necklace reached out to take the young man's arm. He helped her to her feet. She tucked her handbag over her elbow and allowed herself to be pulled slowly up onto the stage. Oh my, said Dad, from his position up the back of the crowd with Mum. It's her! He clutched his hands to his heart. He couldn't keep the smile from his face. Mum rolled her eyes. Oh, please. People in the crowd were calling out to Dame Bronwyn. Thanks for coming. You look great. We love your spud. Dame Broadman nodded, smiled a smile even smaller than the Mona Lisa's, and waved regally as she kept walking. Oh, what a woman, said Dad. Do you think now would be a good time to ask for an autograph? You know, I've worked with the best forgers in the world, said Mum. I could just get an autograph forged for you. It would look exactly the same. I could get you Mick Jaggers as well. Who? asked Dad. Are the only celebrities you've ever heard of vegetable-related, asked Mum. Oh, yes. I've never understood why people are interested in pop musicians or movie stars. They're all so silly, said Dad. Whereas that woman, she is a tuba legend. Dame Bronwyn eventually made it up the short flight of steps and onto the stage. Mr Lang went over to shake her hand, and he actually bowed. It was an instinctive response. She just seemed the type of woman you should bow to. Thank you so much for coming, said Mr. Lang. You do our town a great honour. Dame Bronwyn tilted her head, accepting the compliment. Thank you, she said simply. Mr. Lang turned back to the microphone. And now, as acting interim mayor of Currawong, I am proud to officially welcome Dame Bronwyn, the mother of the Bromwyn Brown, the pride of Currawong, to our town. The crowd clapped and cheered. Dame Bronwyn raised her wrinkled hand and waved at everyone politely. Now that our guest of honour is here, the parade can begin, announced Mr Lang. The crowd cheered even louder. Bring forth the nominees for Potato Princess, ordered Mr Lang. From the far end of the street, there was the piercing blast of a whistle. Constable Pike was waving the first float forward. The forklift from the co-op nosed its way around the corner, the driver being extra cautious, partly because of the teenage girl sitting on the raised prongs of his fork, but mainly because his view was obscured by the thousands of toilet paper rosettes over every square inch of his vehicle. The crowd cheered and clapped approvingly. At the back of the line of floats, April was sitting on top of the giant potato with pumpkin on her lap. She wasn't meant to be last, but the tractor had stalled and Neil had to tinker with the engine to get it going again. It wasn't anything serious, but it's a hassle to adjust the throttle when you have to climb into a potato to do it. "'What's the hold-up?' April called down. There was a hole right between her feet, so she could speak to the driver. It was windy on top of the giant potato, and the whole thing creaked and moved with each gust. It was unnerving. Pumpkin barked hysterically, as if the wind was attacking him. April didn't want to stay up there any longer than she had to. "'Ah, oh, nearly there,' said Neil, as he struggled to adjust the choke. Hurry up, urged April. The other floats are all pulling away. We're going to miss out. Turn it over, called Neil. 
Finn got into the driver's seat, put one foot on the clutch and the other on the brake, and turned the key. The engine grumbled for a bit, but eventually roared to life. Go, urged Neil. Me? Drive this, asked Finn. He had to yell because inside the potato the sound of the engine was so loud. It's April's big moment, said Neil. She can't miss out. Finn slid the tractor into gear and they started bunny-hopping forward with Neil clutching the bonnet. The tractor and the two boys were totally encased inside the potato, so Finn could barely see where he was going. He only had one hole to look through, but he had mounted four video cameras to the outside of the giant potato so he could get a better view via an old TV they'd welded to the bonnet of the tractor. The problem was you had to change channels to select a different camera view and the TV was so old it did not have a remote control. It wasn't a lot of fun for April, either. Every vibration and lurch of the tractor was amplified up through the potato. She clung to the arms of the chair for dear life. Pumpkin loved it. He barked excitedly at each lurch and shake of the vehicle. The whole thing was terrifying, which was a good thing because it totally took April's mind off what she was doing. She totally forgot she was sitting on a potato as she swung into full view of Main Street. Suddenly, there was a deafening roar. Thousands of people were cheering. A chant was starting up. Spud! 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 They were cheering for her. April would have waved if she wasn't so frightened of letting go for even a second. Is that my April? marvelled Mum. Oh, so it is, said Dad. I didn't notice her. I was looking at the potato. It's a magnificent representation. The Potato Princess Parade may have been silly and an extreme waste of toilet paper, but it was an impressive sight. A tiny old-fashioned town in the middle of nowhere in which every resident within a 100-kilometre radius had gathered to celebrate the importance of potatoes to their region. It may have been a brutally competitive event, but as every girl sat atop her own special float, waving to the delighted cheering crowd, every one of them felt like a princess. One by one, the floats pulled up in front of the stage and the nominees were handed a bouquet of roses as they stepped off to take their spot on the podium. April was the last to arrive. It was a bit harder for her to get off her float because the potato was so big and she was so high off the ground. In the end, she had to lie face down on the potato and slide backwards as far as she could go before gravity took over and she dropped the rest of the way. She landed in a crumpled heap at Dame Bronwyn's feet with Pumpkin tumbling into her lap, barking and startling the old lady. No worries, April reassured her. I'm fine. April scrambled up, tucked Pumpkin under her arm and strode in a most unladylike manner to her spot. Mr Lang handed her a bunch of roses. What's this? asked April. A bouquet of flowers, said Mr Lang. What am I supposed to do with them? asked April. I don't have a vase in my pocket. You're meant to hold them elegantly, said Mr Lang. Fine, said April, tucking the bunch under her armpit so she could keep both hands free. Pumpkin grabbed a rose in his mouth and savaged it. Now that all the nominees have arrived, said Mr Lang, I call upon the president of the CWA to tell us the results of the Potato Princess poll, said Mr Lang. President Sweet stepped forward amongst much clapping and cheering. She took out a wad of notes. Thank you, she began, waiting for the crowd to quiet down. The members of the CWA stayed up late last night, counting all the votes, and then recounting them to make sure there were no mistakes. This year we have a clear winner. You, the citizens of Currawong, were asked to vote for the girl who had done the most 
to make this town a better place, and 81% of you voted for the same candidate. A hush fell over the crowd. You could have heard a square of toilet paper drop. President Sweet cleared her throat. <clears throat> this year's potato princess is April Pesky. All 3,000 people present at the parade collectively gasped. Then there was an explosion of gabbling and conversation. I don't believe it. It's rigged. She's off her rocker. But the person who was most vocal in her response was Matilda Voss Nevers. No! She screamed. No, no, no! She lunged at April, belting her across the head with her bouquet of roses said April, ducking and weaving to avoid the rain of blows. Those roses have thorns. It's not fair, screamed Matilda. Stop that, yelled Daisy Odin's daughter, rushing forward and knocking Matilda out of the way. I'm going to kill her. Daisy lunged for April, but Loretta deftly used her own bouquet to trip Daisy, causing her to topple headfirst off the front of the stage and land right in Constable Pike's arms. You're under arrest, said Constable Pike. You can't arrest me, yelled Daisy. Arrest her! Girls, snapped Mr Lang. Control yourselves. Give the President a chance to speak and explain herself. It can't be right, wailed Matilda. Who on earth would vote for her? Matilda turned on the crowd. Those pesky, pesky kids must have rigged the election. No one here would have actually voted for April Pesky as Potato Princess? There was silence for a moment. Then a woman in the middle of the crowd put up her hand. I did, she said. I'm the chairperson of the local branch of the RSPCA. There's lots of people who fight for the rights of cute animals like koalas and puppies. But April Pesky fought for the rights of an ageing, escaped circus bear. She earned my vote. At the back of the crowd, another man put his hand up. Yeah, I run the council animal shelter, and April Pesky comes in once a week to read picture books to the unwanted dog, said the man. She earned my vote. She always shows them each page so they can have a good look at every picture. The crowd mumbled. April always stops and talks to us old folks at the retirement home, an octogenarian man called out. Well, to be strictly accurate, she yells abuse at us for being the generation that ruined the planet. But most people patronise us and talk to us like we're toddlers, so we find her vitriolic insults refreshing. It's the highlight of my day. She exposed the cheating at the cockroach race too, called out another citizen. She helps the disabled people, called out someone else. She helped that blind boy participate in the mud run. He's not blind, snapped April. He's vision impaired. At least he says he is. I'm not 100% convinced. I voted for her because she caught those bank robbers, said someone else. She got my vote because she keeps Constable Dimwit on his toes, added the cat lady. You see, said President Sweet, the results are conclusive. Karawong loves you. I wouldn't go that far, said the cat lady. We just like her more than the others. Matilda stared for a moment, drew a deep breath, then broke into racking sobs, collapsing on Dame Bromwyn's shoulder. Dame Bromwood did not look like a woman used to giving comfort, not to humans anyway. Mr Lang took Matilda by the shoulders and led her away. President Sweet continued. Miss Pesky's demeanour may be non-traditional, but the sheer weight of statistics does not lie. Miss Pesky has, at all times, 
even when not asked to do so, articulated her firm beliefs in feminism, animal conservation, and against hypocrisy. That's true enough, said Mr Lang, dabbing his forehead. He'd been on the end of April's harangues more than anyone. Doing good works in the community is rarely pretty or fun, said President Sweet. Standing up for good values is rarely popular or appreciated. That is why we have competitions like this, to recognise people who buck the trend. Not for the way it makes them look, but simply because it is the right thing to do. It gives me great pride to name this year's Potato Princess April Pesky. Dame Bronwyn, could you please crown our new princess? Dame Bronwyn stepped forward and took the crown from the president. It was not diamond-studded or even fake diamond-studded. It was potato-studded. It was the ugliest crown April had ever seen. She barked a snort of laughter. That is so cool. Dad will love it. As Dame Bronwyn lowered the crown onto April's head, she spoke into the microphone in a quavering voice. I feel as proud of this moment as I was the first time I pruned a potato plant. These words caught Dad's attention. What did she say? I don't know, said Mum, dabbing a tear from her eye. I've got something in my eye. She said something about pruning, didn't she? asked Dad. I wasn't listening to that bit, said Mum. Did you hear what that woman said about our daughter? Aren't you proud? Yes, yes, of course. I'm proud of April every day, said Dad. But Dame Broadwin said she pruned a potato. That's preposterous. That woman is a fraud. Oh, Harold, said Mum, please don't cause a scene now. Up on stage, Dame Bronwyn was starting to get in the swing of things. She seemed to enjoy the sound of her own voice, amplified out across Main Street. Your mother must be so proud of you, young lady. I would love to meet the woman who raised you. Where is Mrs Pesky? April had already spotted her mother in the crowd. She pointed straight at her. Over there. Marvellous, said Dame Bronwyn. Come up on stage. You deserve a claim too for raising such a wonderful daughter. Mum shook her head and waved to indicate that she didn't want to. No, no, I insist, said Dame Bronwyn. Come along, everyone. Give Mrs Pesky a round of applause to get her up here. The crowd all clapped rapturously. People began to part to let her through. Mum started forward. Don't go, said Dad. He reached and grabbed her sleeve. Don't be silly, Harold, said Mum. Despite being a hard-nosed international operative, she was caught up in the moment. The idea that perhaps she had been a good mother after all, that she had done a good job of raising April without even realising, was just too entrancing to resist. Somewhere deep beneath all her training as a ruthless killer, buried below so many archaeological layers of false identities, there lurked a guilty mother, and Dame Bronwyn was holding out an olive branch to this poor fragment of her psyche. Of course Mum couldn't resist. She pushed forward, detaching her wrist neatly from her husband's grasp, with a deft hapkido joint twist. Dad wasn't entirely sure why he was suddenly kneeling on the street while the shooting pain in his arm receded, but as he looked up, Mum had disappeared into the masses. No, said Dad, scrambling to his feet, but the crowd had moved back. No one wanted to move for an overweight man in a saggy cardigan, rudely trying to push his way through. Stop, cried Dad. This isn't right. Mum was stepping up onto stage now. April beamed at her. Wow, said Loretta. She joined Joe and Finn down in the crowd. I don't think I've seen April smile before. She's almost pretty when she smiles. Joe squinted, trying to see what Loretta meant. Well, maybe not pretty, conceded Loretta. 
but certainly a lot less terrifying. April threw herself into her mother's arms, giving her a big hug. Finn suddenly sobbed loudly. Joe turned to him in alarm. There were big, fat tears welling in Finn's eyes. I didn't realise how much I'd missed Mum, blubbered Finn. You know, old Mum, like she was before we found out. It was all fake. I miss her. Me too, said Joe. They weren't the type of brothers to hug. Joe patted Finn on the shoulder instead. Loretta rolled her eyes. Boys! She threw her hands up in exasperation. You're so good at changing light bulbs and catching spiders, but so terrible at the important things. She threw her arms around Finn and pulled his head to her shoulder. There, there. You have a good cry. It's very therapeutic. Right, said Mr Lang, trying to regain the crowd's attention. Now it's time for the Potato Princess to return to her float and continue on in her victory parade to the Daffodil Gardens, where mashed potato and gravy will be served. April was helped back up onto the giant potato and Pumpkin was passed up to her. Finn and Neil climbed back inside to drive. Everyone was cheering and clapping as the potato started to pull away, so at first no one noticed the sound of the approaching helicopter. But it was not a regular helicopter, the type used by TV stations to report on the weather or billionaires to avoid commuter traffic. This helicopter was a different beast. It was large and powerful, the type the military use, and it was flying in low, heading straight up Main Street. Eventually, Mum heard the whop, 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 whop sound of the blades and turned away from watching April. What is... she began to ask. Ugh, groaned Dame Bromwen. My heart! She clutched her chest and toppled sideways, crashing into Mum. She caught the elderly lady before she could hit the ground. I've got you, said Mum. My medicine! It's in my handbag, said Dame Bromwen as she groped in her purse. Ah, here it is! Dame Bromwen pulled out what looked like an EpiPen, but she didn't use it on herself. Before Mum could react, Dame Bromwen stabbed her with the injection. Mum's legs went limp. She couldn't breathe. She was falling. Strong arms caught her. It was Dame Bromwen's too muscly assistant. This was a trap. She'd been caught in a trap. And we'll leave it there. Yes, I know. It's quite a cliffhanger. Okay, we will definitely be finishing up this book next week, I promise. Uh, I've worked out. We've got about 18 minutes to go, so we'll do that next week. All right. Well, that's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.